Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by SATC Solution Center, L3C. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bridging Chicago. I'm Savannah Roundtree, law clerk here at SATC, and with me today we have Sarah Jane Castro. Sarah Jane, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, Sarah Jane is currently the Marketing and Communications Manager um, with the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois, and we're really excited to talk about the foundation, but first we're going to jump into sort of how you ended up there. Okay. Um, so while I was doing my research, I saw that you are not an Illinois native. I you not. grew up in Georgia and went to college there, right? I did, yes. And you got a bachelor's in mass communication and public relations. That's so correct, yeah. Was it something you always knew you wanted to go into? Like what sort of inspired that? So funny story about how meek I was in college. (laughs) I wanted to be a print journalism major. Okay. (laughs) And I wrote down on my card, this was in 2002, so everything Mm -hmm. was like handwritten. Sure. (laughs) Um, I wrote down on my card, my major is print. And I guess Mm -hmm. the, whoever put it into the computer, put it in as PR instead of print. Mm -hmm. And I was too meek to change it. So (laughs) you just sort of ended up in I just sort of ended up in public relations, but actually ended up really liking it. I liked the (laughs) event side of things. I like, and then eventually found my way into nonprofit. Mm -hmm. But so it was kind of a stumbling in backwards way of finding a career. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that one. Just like (laughs) clerical mistake turned career. But I I mean, it seems like it's been working out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, it, it ended up working out. It seems like your first job was with Barry Vera. Yes. Which is, um, I guess I was looking it up, and so Vera Store is sort of like a southern cooking woman. She is, <laughs> yes. So when I worked with her, she had a um, very successful cake business, mail okay. order mm-hmm. pound cakes, layer cakes. Um, and also frozen southern meals. So okay. you could live in Illinois, for example, and order squash casserole from mm-hmm. Augusta, Georgia, if you wanted the that flavor. And I worked with her as a um, an event coordinator okay. and also wrote the newsletter mm-hmm. for um, the website at the time. And since then, she's kind of transitioned into a television personality. She doesn't mm-hmm. sell anything mail order anymore, okay. but she has a cookbook and has become yeah, kind of a, a personality. Stuff, but I wasn't sure. There's not like... <laughs> Anyway, I, I, mean, right. I didn't yeah, do a the, deep dive to figure yes. out what exactly she was doing in like 2006. But all right, so you're doing like events management, mm-hmm. and that was sort of. Um, did you find that to be a good first job? Did you? Have, yeah, like, I did a lot of skills from classes carry over. To they that job? did. It was. Um, I was able to use a lot of skills I learned in school, and I also learned a lot just on the job. Yeah. She had a long career before I came along mm-hmm. in event. Um, planning, especially with the Masters being in Augusta, the golf mm-hmm. tournament. Oh, yeah. Um, that was really a crash course in how to, like, have all your P's and Q's lined up and have everything ready to go for, like, the biggest event you've ever seen in yeah. your life because we were catering <laughs> literally hundreds of meals every oh, wow. day. So yeah. um, that I definitely learned a lot in that position. So it was kind of a yeah. good trial by fire in mm-hmm. the, the working world. Yeah, I feel world. like with uh, event planning, there's only so much, like, classwork you can exactly, do about it. You yeah. sort of got <laughs> to do it. Get thrown in there. Yeah. And so then 
Um, it looks like you made a pretty different transition, and you are working with Trinity on the Hill UMC, mm -hmm. a church in Georgia, Yes, as their communications specialist. So yes. what were you doing there? So I was doing a lot of the same things I'm doing now with the mm -hmm. Kidney Foundation. I did all of their print publications, any sort of marketing, worked on um, transitioning to a new website. Mm -hmm. um, anything communications-based yeah. was my realm. And it was mm -hmm. a kind of a small office. I think there were 15 staff members okay. at the time. So mm -hmm. I kind of got to um, be in my own world and work with everybody, mm -hmm. which is kind of how I am now, too. Yeah. So um, I really enjoyed that pace a mm -hmm. lot better. Yeah. Than, How many people were you working with at Very Vera? Um, it depended on the uh, the day, but in the kitchen there were usually like 20 people baking okay. cakes and making mm -hmm. the casseroles and things. Um, and then at Master's Times, at Master's Time, literally hundreds right, yeah. of people coming <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, so sort of a very different environment exactly. at the church. Yeah. Yes. So what was it like switching those environments? You liked the smaller team. I did. Um, it was like going a thousand miles an hour and then slamming on brakes really? so <laughs> I at first was like I can't even believe this is my job that mm -hmm. I, that I have all this time to do these things and so I really enjoyed that uh pace change mm -hmm. um and I enjoyed the like having a little more freedom to kind of explore um different aspects that I had really enjoyed in school and hadn't gotten to use quite so much in yeah. the event planning mm -hmm. Um, career. And so then you moved to Chicago mm -hmm. and you're working on a law firm. Yes. Was this, did you, were you looking to move to Chicago? Yes. So I want, I broke my heel bone in a car accident. Oh, no. And while I was recovering, I had to live with my parents because I oh, couldn't no. climb the stairs to my apartment. So I would that, not fare very well. Yeah, it was <laughs> quite an adjustment to make. Um, so I would be up late at night in pain and watch a lot of late night television mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed um the like joke structure and thought like I really want to learn how to do that so okay. I looked up where do people learn how to be comedy writers mm -hmm. and found Second City in oh, Chicago yeah. so I kind of I guess my parents would say by the seat of my pants decided to like <laughs> pack up and move to Chicago mm -hmm. in February, which oh, maybe wasn't a great idea, but um, to take classes at Second City. Mm -hmm. And once I got started there, I found a job at the law firm yeah, okay. through a friend at Second City. Yeah, that's great. So you were able to take classes at Second yeah. City? So yeah. So I did the writing program there. And then after that was finished, uh, I took the writing program at Improv Olympic or okay, IO yeah, yeah. and really enjoyed that. Yeah, as like well. all my friends are in theater and stuff, so oh, okay. I'm like well immersed. In okay, that. cool. <laughs> so, how did you find being at the law firm? Uh, you know, we're currently sitting in a law mm -hmm. firm that's a very different uh, field than either you know working with a coking personality or at a church. I know the law firm you were at um, it has different locations mm -hmm. across the country, and so I imagine that their offices were more than fifteen people. Yes, uh, at the time we were only in Chicago. They've since been okay. bought out mm -hmm. and have multiple locations but uh or merged rather than mm -hmm. being bought out but at the time we were just in Chicago and when I started there were over 800 employees wow <laughs> I can't even imagine I know <laughs> <laughs> they practiced uh mostly foreclosure and bankruptcy okay. law so mm -hmm. it was kind of on the heels of the market tanking right. and yeah. there were mm -hmm. a lot so, of foreclosures a lot of business 
I wouldn't say it was pleasant work just from the nature of like mm-hmm. working yeah, with foreclosures. Like looking at foreclosures right. every day. Right. But it was, it was, I learned a new skill set. I learned mm-hmm. a lot about management there. I worked up my way up to managing a team there and learned a lot about um, those skills that I hadn't previously had mm-hmm. in any of my other jobs. Um, you know, you talked a little bit before about how when you started college, you know, everything was still sort of handwritten and mm-hmm. things like that. But you've been um, in communications while we've vastly transitioned mm-hmm. to, you know, social media, everything's online. What has that sort of transition been like for you? Um, I have been a bit of a Luddite personally, mm-hmm. just in like I was the last person in college to get Facebook and I was sort of the last friend of mine to get a smartphone or Instagram. But seeing how um, important that was and how it was really taking off made me kind of like, I I need to do this. And so um, working with social media, I guess, has been the biggest shift in Mm -hmm. seeing like how, what kind of an impact that can make. Whereas Mm -hmm. when I started my career, it was like email newsletters. Right. Or (laughs) um, even printed newsletters. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of mailings at the church. And then now nobody reads printed newsletters anymore. Right. And sometimes people frown on you if you hand them a printed newsletter. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Like uh, you're killing trees. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So social media has become kind of the replacement for those things. Mm And um, really – and even seeing – just in the last three years, how social media has transitioned from like Facebook being the big one to now mm-hmm. Instagram's kind of the king and trying to like jump in there and hang on and figure it out mm-hmm. as I go has yeah. been. And you a- have, I imagine, sort of been figuring it out as you go because I'm sure you didn't have any classes. Exactly. Like, yeah. Did Twitter even no, exist? Like, right. I don't think so. No. And Facebook. I'm sure I none of your like, professors were teaching right, you nobody about, was teaching to, about Facebook no or was like make sure you take all your pictures in a square format. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Working a foreclosure was kind of disheartening. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine it was sort of a strategic move to get out of there. And so now you're working at the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. So yes. how'd you find that job? Um, I had wanted to get back into a nonprofit for a while. I liked mm-hmm. that pace. I liked the work I was doing. I liked feeling and doing something that's helping the world. Mm-hmm. So um, I had kind of just kept an eye out for positions that interested me applied for a few throughout the years just happened to luck into this one so I I interviewed and really liked the team and Mm -hmm. I guess they liked me okay so (laughs) we uh decided to work together and I I, it was definitely a strategic move on my part for shaping a path of my career I Mm -hmm. guess instead of like I guess I can move up in this firm forever or I can like (laughs) choose something that really makes me happy yeah glad to see that you're actually you know making choices right now it's <laughs> quite a transition know, from people from like your new major exactly a clerical jobs. error yeah. so you've been there since um early 2017 yes um so just tell us a little bit about the national kidney foundation of illinois so we are an educational foundation mm-hmm. we um do free screenings throughout the whole state we offer free programs for patients we have um, a video series we have a cookbook basically anyone who has been diagnosed with kidney disease we want to be their first stop okay. to get them all the resources they need all the education and to help them along the way whether they have just been diagnosed or they've received a transplant or they're even 
unsure about what any of this means. We mm-hmm. want to be a resource to kind of hold their hand through that whole process. Right. Yeah. I'm sure it's very, it's a whole daunting healthcare system out there. Exactly. So I'm sure it's really helpful to have someone there with you while you're going through this sort of scary process. The three tiers of the foundation seem to be prevention, education, and empowerment. Mm-hmm. Let's flesh that out a little bit more. Okay. So the our Kidney Mobile program is mm-hmm. our free screening program. So okay. the idea behind that is that we'll go into underserved communities, mm-hmm. communities that maybe don't have access to health care or maybe the people aren't insured. And we screen them for diabetes and high blood pressure, which are okay. the two main causes of kidney disease Mm -hmm. and kidney disease as well and then um that so they'll go through the whole screening process talk to we'll talk to them about their results that day and then give them the tools they need going forward so if we find out that someone does have diabetes or they do have high blood pressure we'll connect them with someone in the community who offers health care at either a discounted rate free that sort of Mm -hmm. thing um so that they can continue their care and then we can um, connect them with our free programs as well if they're diagnosed mm-hmm. with chronic kidney disease. So um, talk to me a little bit about, I don't know if this is separate from just the screenings that you do, but the education component mm-hmm. as well. Um, are you doing that simultaneously with the screenings or is it different programming that you do? We are. Um, so at the screening, like I mentioned, they'll sit down with the patient mm-hmm. or the participant to um, talk about their results and sort of educate them if there's like a high blood sugar Mm-hmm. issue they'll say like don't drink soda that right. sort of thing um but we also have programs called living with kidney disease and transplantation mm-hmm. and those programs are for patients who have already been diagnosed okay. and they meet with community members they meet with experts in the field nephrologists nurses social workers and it's a free event we have it five times a year in mm-hmm. spanish and english great that program i think I've heard patients say is super helpful because you don't get much time with your doctor or your Mm -hmm. nephrologist. You get maybe 10 or 15 minutes and then you see them again in a couple months. Mm -hmm. So these, we have sessions where they can learn more about diet or learn more about heart disease and how it affects their kidneys or even insurance, like Mm -hmm. just a deeper dive on some of these big questions that a lot of patients have. Offer those programs as well as um, one about living donation. It's called the big ask, the big Mm -hmm. give. So family members can learn more about what it means to donate a kidney Mm -hmm. or the person who's waiting for a kidney can learn more about how to ask their family members to explore that option. It's a very difficult thing for people to sort of grapple with. Yeah. So I'm sure the training is really helpful for that. Or you're going to underserved communities Mm -hmm. to do this. And so you as the, um, communications manager and you know handling the marketing for that is that challenging to sort of reach these communities in order to get the information to them sometimes yes Mm -hmm. we're um, working on a program now to get to people earlier so Mm -hmm. we're trying to work with some of the free health clinics in the community we've recently partnered with um, some community centers that have access to people Mm -hmm. at a much earlier time frame than Mm -hmm. after diagnosis but as a like white person myself Mm -hmm. I find that it like who's like privileged I find sometimes that I'm writing to an audience I may not understand Mm -hmm. so I I really want to like educate myself and learn more about um, and like taking classes and work with people who are community partners and so that I'm not like here I am this 
princess telling right. you how to handle your yeah, life just, like, like coming I, in trying to exactly mm-hmm. yeah I want to like be cognizant of those things and yeah. be sensitive to them as well yeah and so also this new job is sort of your first foray into healthcare and yes. stuff and so has that been a challenge as well having to deal with learning sort of medical terms mm-hmm. and dealing with the healthcare industry? Yes, it has. Um, we are very lucky to have a great team of nephrologists mm-hmm. on our board and on our professional advisory board who teach us, the staff yeah. members who mm-hmm. aren't, uh, who don't come from healthcare backgrounds, about kidney disease, about our bodies in general. Mm-hmm. And that's been super helpful. I've also um, taken a few courses like online courses Mm -hmm. just to learn a little more and then I've learned so much just day to day on the job hearing immersed right dealing with it yeah other than sort of the things we already talked about has there been like one big challenging project or something that you've worked on here can you tell us a little bit about that sure we um, recently redid our whole website. Wow! To try to make it a <laughs> job for the yes. you know, marketing. <laughs> yes, uh, we've tried to make it more um, user friendly, mm-hmm. easier to read, easier to understand, and that was a humongous undertaking. Mm-hmm. We did bring in a private contractor for that job to to help us kind of pull back from it a little bit and take a look at like what doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And it was helpful that he did not have a healthcare background and didn't have any real knowledge of kidney disease yeah. because then he could ask us questions right. that like seem a neutral obvious. observer because exactly. when you're just looking at your website all the time you're like obviously this right. makes total Obvi- sense to yeah, me. Yeah <laughs> exactly. You click on this mm-hmm. and then click on this and yeah. so he really helped us make it a lot simpler and cleaner and we've gotten really good feedback on it so that was like a mm-hmm. big um, initiative I really wanted to push yeah. and coming in 2020 we're working as I mentioned, a lot more closely with um, primary care physicians mm-hmm. and health clinics in the community, as well as um, we want to really up our video content because that, okay. that's such a mm-hmm. simple way to get a lot of information across little yeah, instead very, of reading like, paragraphs. Way, exactly, yeah. especially you know in this Instagram world. Exactly, don't wanna, yeah. <laughs> you want to make it simple and shareable yeah. and and mm-hmm. easy to process. About how many people is the foundation sort of helping a year? We're not entirely sure how many people in Illinois have chronic kidney disease, mm-hmm. just because it's very underdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. But there are 37 million people estimated in the U.S. alone with chronic wow. kidney disease. So we probably guess around 1 million mm-hmm. or so in Illinois. Wow. We screen uh, about 6,000 people per year for mm-hmm. chronic kidney disease, diabetes, and high blood pressure. And then we see about 4,000 people come through our programs and our free event, like our, our big walk mm-hmm. for kidneys. We yeah. see, guess, about 10,000 a year, yeah. but we hope to make that a lot more. Right. I mean, that's great because you said you're still a relatively small team, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I think that's an amazing number that you guys are able to yeah, um, help we're, with this. We're small but mighty. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned a just the statistic about the 37 million people mm-hmm. across the country, which reminded me, um, as I was doing my research about the foundation, that the Chicago or the Illinois chapter, I guess, s- sort of seems to be one of the founding charters of the National Kidney Foundation because the Chicago uh, League for Nephritic Children started in 1949 and then sort of ended up starting and merging with the National um Kidney Foundation, which I think is really incredible. Yeah, as well. yeah. The so the way our structure works is we have a national office mm-hmm. that covers the whole 
U.S. And then there are, I believe, 11 affiliates who were kind of already in their states doing this type of work. Mm -hmm. And then once the National Kidney Foundation started, we kind of joined forces and um, instead of doubling efforts. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we've been around for quite a while. Yeah, I was um, sort of shocked to see that because I've never really heard about the National Mm -hmm. Kidney Foundation. I don't ever really think about my kidneys. Right. <laughs> they just exist. There's two of them. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you but... know more than some people do. So. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was um, really great that it seems like Illinois has sort of been in the forefront of this and that they were able to be the first chapter in mm-hmm. the National Foundation. And I just want to mention that because I think that's really great. And so do you work a lot with the sort of national headquarters or is it more of just uh, sort of the affiliation? Um, We do work with National a good bit. Um, We have a few programs and events that come from National, so they're Mm -hmm. kind of just like a package that we put out here in Mm -hmm. Illinois. Yeah. Um, And we also get a lot of our educational materials Mm -hmm. from National as well. Instead of reinventing the wheel and hiring our own scientists to do all of that, we just... Much better to share the medical research Exactly. Exactly. going on, yeah. Um, and then we have a lot of, but we do have a lot of autonomy to do mm-hmm. our own programs that fit the um, the demographics of Illinois and that fit the needs of the state, the city, mm-hmm. et cetera. So yeah. like our kidney mobile program is, um, I believe, the only mobile kidney screening oh, wow. program in the, yeah, in the that's country. I am from the East Coast, and so it's hard for me to think of things sort of outside of Chicago mm-hmm. within Illinois. The Midwest is kind of a mystery right, to me. me too. <laughs> but, um, so do you guys, you go places outside of Chicago as well? We do. Um, we try to cover generally the whole state. So okay, we'll do three or four um, swings throughout the state. So we recently went up north in like the Rockford area okay. and we're there for a week screening in different mm-hmm. cities and towns. In September, we're headed downstate and we'll hit believe seven locations while we're down Mm -hmm. there so we do that three or four times a year to Mm -hmm. try to cover outside of Chicago because it is hard for Chicagoans to remember that the rest of the state exists but we (laughs) there are there's definitely a need for our programs yeah absolutely um so does the whole team sort of travel we have um a team of three for mm-hmm. the kidney mobile okay. and then we have volunteers mm-hmm. and we could not do it without yeah. our volunteers yeah. so we usually get medical students nurses those type of folks who need um, maybe some clinical hours mm-hmm. outside yeah. of the hospital yeah. to um, volunteer with us mm-hmm. people um, want to get involved want to help the kidney mm-hmm. foundation what can they do to do that okay uh, they can visit nkfi.org mm-hmm. uh, we're always looking for volunteers for our kidney mobile program for our walk for events throughout the year Mm -hmm. as well as just in the office yeah um they can also donate Mm -hmm. you don't have to donate um just money you can donate a car as well i saw on the website kidney cars yes and i was very intrigued about (laughs) why my someone's kidneys need my car <laughs> What's so the way that works is if you have an old car in mm-hmm. your garage that you don't want anymore we will come pick it up mm-hmm. and it will be I don't know exactly what they do with it after that if they okay. sell it at auction or if it <laughs> if they sell it for the parts I guess it depends on the car yeah. but whatever the sort of cash value of the okay. car is gets donated Great. to us 
So that's how kidney cards is okay. helpful. I wasn't sure if it was like, I just was not sure at all. I was right. like, I don't know, maybe they're refurbishing them for right. something. Maybe people need cars to drive. I have no idea. Yeah, it's <laughs> just kind of turning your old clunker into okay. cash. All right, that seems a lot more feasible yeah. than trying to set up some sort of ride share program right. or whatever I was envisioning. <laughs> Financial donations are always welcome of as course. well. That helps us keep our patient programs free mm-hmm. for um, everyone who and provide meals parking all that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um do you know how much it would cost to like sort of have this kidney screening if it weren't on the um mobile it cost 85 dollars per person it cost us 85 Mm -hmm. per person to screen someone okay so i imagine if you went to a doctor's office it would cost more than that right because of especially if you don't have insurance which i'm sure a lot of these underserved communities they don't exactly Mm -hmm. and it's important to note too that um these tests are not routinely done at your doctor's office so unless your doctor suspects that there might be something happening with your kidneys Mm -hmm. he or she is not going to check um for your it's called gfr it's your Mm -hmm. glomular filtration rate which is how your kidneys are filtering Mm -hmm. And they're not going to routinely check for high blood pressure and diabetes. They'll check your blood pressure, Mm -hmm. but not scope of kidney disease, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so is this a test that you it should be done, be doing regularly? Uh, Yes, especially if you're in a high risk group Mm -hmm. and uh, African-Americans are three times more likely to have chronic kidney disease. Uh, Latinos are one and a half times more likely. Anyone... um, 65 or older mm-hmm. women okay. are more susceptible. So if you're in any of those um, mm-hmm. groups or if you have a family history of diabetes or high blood pressure. Okay. Those are sort of the key things to look out for, diabetes, high blood p- pressure, and family history, yes. as well as being in uh, as well as the... being in one of those risk mm-hmm. groups, okay. yes. That's Is good. there anything else that you want to say about the uh, Kidney Foundation that I haven't covered? Consider living donation. Okay, sure. Um, you a lot of people think the way you donate organs is by just checking that box on your license mm-hmm. application and then you are good to go. But so few people die in a way that their organs can be used for donation that um, living donors are really the the answer. Mm-hmm. There are currently um, 3,400 people as of this recording waiting on kidneys in Illinois alone. Wow. And um, you can live a long healthy life with just one kidney mm-hmm. so consider um looking into living donation yeah what's sort of like the first step to do if you are thinking wanting to be a living donor um you if you know someone who needs a kidney you mm-hmm. can check with their uh transplant center mm-hmm. they the patient will be able to give you that information um and they'll do a full run of tests to make sure mm-hmm. you're healthy enough to donate Uh, But if you don't know someone, you can just call the transplant center nearest you, and they will be happy to give you more information. (laughs) All right, great. Sarah Jane, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it, too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago, as produced by the SATC Solution Center. As always, feel free to reach out to us on social media with your comments and suggestions. You can email us at solutioncenter at satcltd.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to this podcast.
Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guests. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of the SATC Solutions Center, Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the host and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.